Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Well, good morning. My name is Adam Jungblut. I'm the membership and ministry pastor here at the park. Today we're wrapping up our series, Idol Worship. And we've normally had the motorcycle in here for this whole series revved up and starting to kind of kick off the message. And it's been awesome. But this is a kickstart, and I have a broken foot. So out of the lives of probably the first five rows, you're welcome. We're not going to do it. Therefore, to compensate, I'm going to preach the entire message with a helmet on. Because that won't be distracting. There we go. There is something about feeling invincible when you have a helmet on. I really think I could have done a stage dive just then and been fine. Look, the land of off-road dirt biking is totally different than any other motorcycle world. It is dirty, covered in mud, incredibly dangerous, stunts, competition. I mean, it is a fantastic theme for us to end on today. Because today we're talking about the contest for our worship. And there is no greater contest in the motorcycle world than in motocross and supercross. Because that's when the competition gets really tight and really competitive. But look, maybe not as pressure-filled as motocross, but there's a competition that rages pretty frequently in the Jungblood Casa. You see, in our house with four kids, there is a constant competition for the attention of mom and dad. Mommy, 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 daddy, 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 mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy. Constantly in our house, watch me, help me. Can I have this? Can I do this? Look, listen to me. Oh, constantly. Now, I can't argue too much about it because they just want to be with me and they are the greatest kids in the world. But when there's multiple kids and one of me, oh, it gets hectic and it gets so stressful. And there have been a few times that my not so pretty side comes out. But look, that's not newsflash to anybody that has a kid. There's this competition for attention. and, And sometimes... We all get it because it's not just kids. It's the competition that we all have for our time. It's that competition of work and home. It's the competition for what we want to do with our family. And then we're just driving carpool around constantly. It's the competition for when we're scheduling events of what we want to do and It feels like our priorities are getting pushed to the side for other things that we have. It's the competition that we all have, and you know it, for our finances. The competition to save, the competition to invest, the competition to use some of it to get out of debt. And then what we have to spend right now, and we all feel the competition because Christmas is right around the corner. And look, there are times that we've all come to it and we've just said, "I, I can't do this anymore. There is only so much of me that can be passed around. There's so much of my mental energy that can be passed around. We all get that. Well, I want to tell you today that your worship is the same. 
that there is a contest for our worship. And look, before we get into talking about the contest, there's two things that we've got to talk about real quick. Two keys about worship. We've hit on these keys for the entire series as we talked about idol worship. Making sure our worship isn't left in idol, just revving an engine and not going anywhere. The first is this, is that I was made to worship. I was made to worship. Look, we've talked about it. We were all made to worship. And when you read scripture, you will find that the Bible never tries to convince us to worship. It always tells us what to worship. I mean, the second commandment of the Ten Commandments, worship God. You will have no other gods before me. It's not telling you to worship. It's telling you what to worship. The second key that we have to know before we talk about the contest of our worship is that worship is something I give. Worship is something I give. Now, I know it seems obvious. Well, of course, worship is, is what I give. But in practice, it always doesn't play out that way. Look, there have been handfuls of you that have sent me emails talking about how you used to have the mindset of coming to church empty, exhausted, spiritually just drained from the week. And you needed to come in and get worship. And you needed to come in and get a good sermon, which you get when Pastor Mike and Pastor Ryan teach. And you get all of those things. And that was your mindset of coming here on Sundays. But you realized it through this series that worship is what you give. You come with something to give. Worship is something that is a gift that we give to whatever we're worshiping. But look, this idea of a contest for our worship, it encompasses everything. And it's large scale. Look, the greatest contest for worship happened in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. It's a contest for Jesus' worship. See, at this point, Jesus had been in the desert for 40 days and nights. He had been fasting. No water, no food. And in that moment of weakness, Satan shows up for the scene and there is a contest for Jesus' worship. Look at what it says in Matthew 8 and 9. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Look, what did the devil want from Christ? His worship. The devil didn't want Jesus just hey, go die and get out of here. Or hey, how about you just keep walking in this desert deal and never come back? No. You see, Satan knew something. Satan knew that if he could get Jesus to worship him, if this contest could have been won in Satan's behalf, then God's plan of the good news of the gospel to save and redeem this world would all have been ruined. And in the epic battle of God versus Satan, Satan would have won if Jesus would have worshipped Satan. You see, here's why. Here's why this contest is so important. You see, all of us, we've made mistakes. That's not a newsflash. We've all made mistakes. The Bible calls it sin. And some of those mistakes, we have a lot of shame and regret because they were pretty bad. Well, I mean, when you think about it, how can people that have made a lot of mistakes, that feel bad for those mistakes, have a relationship with a God who's perfect? And even taking it a step further, how can we spend eternity in heaven with a perfect God when we're filled with mistakes? Well, we can't. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life. You see, because Jesus lived a perfect life and then took the punishment of living a life filled with sin. 
He was perfect and yet took all of the punishment. He was the perfect sacrifice, as the Bible calls it, for all of the mistakes that we've made. You see, Satan knew that if he got Jesus to worship him, Jesus would no longer be perfect. And if Jesus was no longer perfect, then his death would not be enough to pay for our sins. It would just be enough to pay for his. And if that was the case, then all of us would have to pay for our own mistakes. We'd have to pay for our own mistakes. And the only way to do that, the Bible says, is to spend eternity in a place called hell. You see, that, that's what was on the line in this contest. That Jesus would have been rendered completely worthless in God's plan. Look, the contest for our worship, it's actually quite similar. It's actually quite similar. Because this is what it boils down to. Why is there a contest for my worship? Because I become like what I worship. I become like what I worship. I take on the identity of what I worship. Whatever it is that you worship, that's what you become. You become to look like that. You take on the attributes, the character traits, the habits of whatever it is that you worship. Look, in Psalm 115, the psalmist writes, and just an amazing passage of what that looks like. Look at what it says in Psalm 115. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Their God, talking about the God of Israel. Oh, well, our God's in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. And I want you to underline all of verse 8 here. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Look, here's why the contest for our worship is so important. Look, if you worship God and you follow him, well, then you will be like him. You will be godly. You will be righteous. But if your worship is misplaced on anything other than God and the contest for your worship is lost, get this, you will become worthless. That is the danger here. That is the danger. You see, if you worship anything other than God, well, then you will be rendered worthless in his kingdom. You'll have a mouth. But what you say will have no meaning. You will have eyes. But what you see, it will deceive you from making the right decisions in life. You have hands. But the work that you do will not have any lasting meaning. The feet, wherever you go, will be meaningless. Because you will become like what you worship. And the psalmist says there is God who has meaning. And then there are these false idols of silver in gold, and they're worthless. And all of those who make them will be like them, and all of those who put their trust in them will be like them. You see, this is what it boils down to. There is Satan, who is trying to get you to worship anything and everything but God. Because he knows that if he can do that, you will become worthless in God's kingdom. And then there is God, and through his word, commanding us to worship him. 
Because he holds the life that we've been talking about this whole series. No longer worshiping an idol, but worshiping in full throttle. Here's the greatest point. You choose. Remember, worship is something you give. You dictate where your allegiance lies. You dictate where your time, your energy, your resources, your schedule, your mental thoughts. You dictate where all of it goes. You choose where your worship is placed. But there is a contest for it. So how do I win the contest for my worship? Boils down to a really simple deal. Here it is. I must wholeheartedly commit myself to Jesus Christ. I must wholeheartedly commit myself to Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in Philippians 1, 10 through 11. For I want you to understand what really matters. Underline what really matters. I love it in the Bible when it says, this is important. Pay attention to this. This is what really matters. It's like, you know, reading the Bible for dummies for me sometimes. I read it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. All right, here it is. This is what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced. Here is what really matters. You ready? In your life by Jesus Christ. Underline your life by Jesus Christ for me. That's what really matters. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Look, we just read in Psalm 115 that you will become like what you worship. And if you wholeheartedly commit to Jesus Christ, that is who you will become. You will become like him. That's what we want. That's what this series is leading us up to. That's what everything that we have been talking about. Because when you fully commit wholeheartedly to him, well, your worship is in full throttle. Your life is becoming to look like Jesus Christ. The things that you've wanted to shed in your life, they just naturally leave because you are becoming like what you worship. Wholeheartedly commit to Christ. Well, well, how do you do that? I mean, you do it in tons of ways, but there's three ways that I've pulled out here that I just want us to quickly hit on how you wholeheartedly commit to Jesus Christ. Because that's the answer for how our contest is won. Our contest is won by wholeheartedly committing to Christ. And there's three things that we do to help with that. And here's the first one. Make church a higher priority. Make church a higher priority. It says in Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Look, we talked in the very beginning of this series how this hour right here, as we gather for church, this is the best hour of our week. This is where we come together and we worship as a group of believers who have all wholeheartedly committed to follow Christ. This is where we learn about him so that we can worship him more fully. This is where we just leave energized, ready to have an amazing week. To come back the next week and praise God for what he did. This is the best right here. Well, if this is the best, if this is where we worship him together, if this is where we learn about him, this is where we're taught about him, well, then it needs to be a high priority. You know those connection cards that we have you fill out every week? You know, we say it's really important. It really is. 
Look, that connection card, it's how we pray for you on the back with prayer requests. It's how you take next steps. We pray for every single next step that's taken, every single next step, every single Sunday. We specifically pray for each one of those next steps. It's how you sign up for classes, how you get more information. The card is extremely important, but the card has a little added benefit. When we enter all of it in, it kind of tracks attendance. And one of the things that we have found is for those of you that regularly attend the park, that call Parkway Fellowship your church home, you attend about 50% of the time. That's just what we find. And now here's the crazy thing about 50%. When you're, when you're in the 50% world, it kind of feels like a lot. It feels like, yeah, I mean, we go to church. I mean, we go quite often. We're there a lot. You are 1%, 1% away from being at church the minority of the time. It's a dangerous place to be. Now, look, and you might be sitting here saying, well, that's not us. That's not us. I mean, we miss like every once in a while, but for the most part, we are always here. Look, I'd love for that to be the case. That's what I want for everybody in here. Let me challenge you to something this week. I want you to get your calendar out. I want you to go back the past two to three months and mark the Sundays that you came to church. What I want you to find is, hey, we're way over 50%. Way to go. But what I think might happen to a good handful of you is you might realize you're hovering right at the 50%. And the thing is, is that you would have never have thought that. But look, if we're going to wholeheartedly follow Christ so that the contest of our worship will be won, then we've got to be at God's house. This is the best. This is where we become like him. We've got to make church a higher priority. What's the second thing? The second thing that you've got to do is that you have to memorize large chunks of the Bible. Memorize large chunks of the Bible. Look what it says in Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything, it, everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, at the end of the day, when the kids go to bed, and it's kind of like finally quiet in our house, I'm tired because it's been a long day. But more so than physically tired, I am mentally exhausted. I am so tired from all of the plates that I've had to keep spinning in my mind. Everything that has to keep going on at the same time that I have to constantly think about. Everything going on just with my job up here at the church, all of the ministries through 101 and everything going on. I've got to think about all of that. Then I've got my calendar and my schedule that I have to keep up with. Then I have to constantly be thinking about all of the things that I have to do at home. My little honeydew list that is always growing ever longer. And I need to think about, oh, I got to get to Home Depot so that I can buy that. Well, how can I do this? Because I've got this going on. And then it's, okay, as soon as I get off work, where are the kids going? Okay, I'll meet you here so that we can get, you know, William here and Avery picked up for this. I mean, it is a constant, constant battle of my mental energy. I'm exhausted. And what I find happens a lot in my day. I have spent hours at church, but have thought very little about God. I mean, there's the truth. There's so much on my mind, God just gets pushed out. 
And I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one in here. I'm sure y'all aren't looking at me like, man, that stinks to be you, dude. Seriously, we got this down. Why is that guy preaching? Because I do a better, yeah. Look, Joshua 1.8 says that we should meditate on the book day and night. You want to know how to do that? Start memorizing large passages of scripture. More so than just, I'm going to memorize a verse a week. How about memorizing five or six verses? Memorize a passage, a section, a paragraph in a week. Dedicate to yourself to memorizing a chapter a week. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be thinking about it constantly. It's going to be running through your mind. Because if you're going to have a chapter memorized by the end of the week, every moment that you can spend on it, you will be reciting it. You will be reading it. It will be there on the forefront of your mind. You're going to realize I probably shouldn't listen to the radio because I've got five minutes right here where I can just go through a couple of verses. You will find that you are continually thinking about God's word. And your mental energy will be following Christ. And that's the idea. If we're going to wholeheartedly commit ourselves to Christ, a large portion of that is our mental thoughts. Memorizing large chunks of the Bible will propel you further than you can imagine toward that happening. Look, I put a couple of them down. Just large passages. If you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. Galatians 2, verses 17 through 21. A cornerstone passage of scripture. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Colossians 3, 1 through 5. Then if you want to go for it, all of Romans 12. Unbelievable chapter. It's not too long in the grand scheme of chapters in the Bible. But look, when you commit to memorizing large chunks, what you'll find is that your mental energy will be focused on God. And you will have spent time with him throughout the entire day. And not just one little portion of it. And then you're not following him for the rest. Look, if we're going to wholeheartedly commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, we've got to do these things. Well, there's a third thing that we've got to do. Third thing that we've got to do. We have to repent for the times your worship was misplaced. Repent for the times worship was misplaced. Now, look, I know the word repent is like an extremely churchy word. You only hear it here and when you're reading the Bible. You never hear it like in just common language. You never see the word repent on Facebook statuses. Like it just, it just doesn't happen. Look at what it says in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. All right, while though it's an incredibly churchy word, it's awesome. It is an awesome word, and the meaning of it, we have got to understand, and we've got to put it into practice if we are going to wholeheartedly commit ourselves to Jesus Christ. You see, the idea of repent is whenever we make a mistake, whenever we do something wrong, and we feel sorry for it, it it doesn't just stop there. Repent has this idea that it goes several steps further. When you repent, not only do you feel sorry for it, but there is a complete 180 in your change of attitude and allegiance. Give you an example. I used to think that it was okay to come up, show up late for church. Gosh, I realize that that's wrong. I feel sorry for it. Now it's a change of attitude and allegiance of I am committing to be at church on time every week. 
But then repent goes even a step further and it comes to action. It's when you actually show up to church on time. Another great example. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, bear with me because it's a perfect illustration. There will come a time in your life where you regret and feel very sorry for committing energy and time and resources to the Dallas Cowboys. You will realize that the Houston Texans are where you should have placed your allegiance and you will make that change. But then it goes a step further. You buy an Andre Johnson jersey. And then you buy season tickets and you take your pastors. That is a biblical concept right there. All right? That should have been a fill-in. I'm telling you. That was good. You see, the idea of repent is it's more than just feeling sorry for things. Look, when we make mistakes, we feel sorry for it. Like, there are a few times in my life where I feel, <laughs> there, let me put it this way. When, when I raise my voice to my kids, when it's all said and done, I feel like a grade-A jerk. I feel just like a horrible, horrible dad. And it just sits, and I just, I just get sick to my stomach, and I hate it. See, the idea of repent, though, is that I take it past that feeling. I take it past that feeling, and I commit to not raise my voice. And then even step further is the next time it gets really hectic and it gets really crazy and I get really frustrated, I don't. That's the idea of repentance. Look, there's times in our lives where our worship's been misplaced. Look, if you're realizing now that you spend more time throughout the day looking at a Facebook than God's word, ouch. You might feel bad for that. But repentance is moving past just feeling bad. It's committing. I'm going to spend more time in God's word than I am on Facebook. But then it's actually doing it. Look, we have got to repent for the times our worship has been misplaced. In this series, I know for me, I've seen a lot of things of how my worship has been an idol. I'd like to think that you're the same way. Look, if we're going to wholeheartedly commit ourselves to follow Christ, if it is going to be a wholehearted decision that we make, then we have got to change some of our habits. Move from feeling sorry about the times your worship was misplaced and change. When you see yourself taking on the habits and the characteristics of the TV shows that you watch, and you realize I'm not taking on the character traits and the habits of Jesus Christ, well, there's time to change. I mean, if you see yourself acting like the characters in Duck Dynasty, we have a problem here. (laughs) To wholeheartedly follow Christ is to begin to look like him because that's what happens at the end of Psalm 115. I become like what I worship. I want to reread Psalm 1, uh, uh, Philippians 1, 10 through 11 for you. But I want to pull out some of the benefits, some of the products that are going to come from your life naturally when you wholeheartedly commit yourself to Christ. Look at this. For I want you to understand what really matters. 
so that you may live pure. Look, think about this. Sin in your life will naturally decrease. You're not even going to have to focus on it. It's just going to happen. When your life becomes more like Christ, sin in your life will decrease. Look, and blameless. People won't be able to blame you for things because they'll look at you and they'll say, well, we have nothing to blame him for. Their life is just on a higher level. Their life looks like Christ. You have to live a blameless life until the day of Christ's return. Look at this. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Here's what that is. Righteous character. That's the fruit of your salvation. Righteous character. When you become right with God, well, your character will reflect that. And you will become godly. Maybe for some of you in here, there's never come a point that you've become saved. And ask Christ to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Look, now is the perfect time for that. There's a prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. It's a prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. Pray that prayer. And if you believe that, well then, you are a Christ follower and you are beginning to wholeheartedly commit yourself to Christ. Look at other benefits. The righteous character produced in your life in Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. That's been the whole idea of this series. That our lives and that we will bring much glory and much praise to God, our worship. Look, the contest for our worship, it is dirty, it is dangerous, it is highly competitive, just like dirt bike and motocross. But man, crossing the finish line, victorious, is worth everything. In just a couple of minutes, when we're done with the next steps, we're going to go into a time of worship. During the first two songs, members of our prayer team are going to be down here in the front. Please come find one of them if you want to have somebody pray for you. Also, we'll be serving the Lord's Supper at both front corners of the stage. As you walk forward, somebody will hand you a piece of bread so that you may dip it in the cup. All right, everybody pull out your connection card. Everybody pull your connection card. I want you to take a next step today. Maybe for you, your next step is to become a Christ follower for the first time today. Look, if there's never come a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and pledge your life to follow him from this day forward, man, do that right now. Pray that sample prayer at the bottom. Check that box. And on your way out, I want you to grab a new believer packet. They're by every single door on the way out. They're free and they've got some amazing helps for your new life in Christ. Maybe for you, it's this next one. Hey, would you wholeheartedly commit myself to follow Jesus Christ? Wholeheartedly commit to follow Christ. Maybe for you, make church a higher priority by only missing when I'm sick. Look, think about it. Just because you're out of town, going to visit relatives, family, friends, doesn't mean you don't go to church. It just means you don't go to the best church. It will just make you appreciate your church here at the park a little bit more. But look, go to church. Go to church. Just not when you're sick. All right. Begin to memorize large passages of God's word. And if that's you, check that box. And in your sermon notes, pick one of those passages that I put in there. Maybe for you, it's this next one. To be on time for church and to give my full participation in worship. Look, next week, we're going back to our old way of series schedule. Where the worship will be first, followed by a message. Don't change. You've been on time this series. Your worship has been amazing this series. Don't change. Make that next step. 
Let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. I pray that you would send your spirit to be in here with us. God, as we enter into a time of worship, God, that we would truly feel your presence in here. God, that we would be able to release all of the things that we have been thinking about that are consuming our mental energy, that have been just consuming our lives, that have been vying for your worship, God, and that we would give all of our worship to you. God, that it would start right now during these songs, that it would carry on throughout the week. God, that we would choose you in the contest for our worship. God, that we would give you our worship, that we would wholeheartedly commit to you and to your son. God, we thank you so much for this series. We pray that you would continue to do a great work in us. We love you. We ask all in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.